You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, we talk money with former agent and salary cap expert, Joel Corey, who works for CBS Sports and also hosts Inside the Cap with Joel Corey podcast. We discuss the money it'll likely take to sign guard Brandon Sheriff and defensive tackle Jonathan Allen if he gets an extension this offseason, as I expect him to get, or at least certainly negotiate to get. And of course, the quarterback race highlighted by... Detroit's Matthew Stafford, and much, much more. You can also follow Joel on Twitter at Corey, C-O-R-R-Y, Joel, J-O-E-L. Money talk matters all year, but especially right now. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now on Jennifer King after a promotion to assistant running backs coach for Washington. And now, here's my conversation with Joel Corey. Well, Joel, it's always this time of the year where you're you're one of the most popular guys in the NFL for the media because you have so much knowledge about how this all works from an agent's perspective, the cap and everything, and you're very valuable. And for those listening, before we even get going, your podcast, Inside the Cap, is very valuable insight throughout the entire year because there are, this salary cap stuff goes throughout the year and the ramifications are, are always ongoing. So, Joe, I appreciate you coming on. I want to start with some Washington-related things before we get into some big topics on quarterbacks. Let's start with Brandon Sheriff. I think he's going to be back. What do you think his deal will look like? I think he becomes the first $15 million per year interior offensive lineman, that at a minimum. Um, The Redskins do have the cap space if they wanted to stick a second franchise tag on him. They could. That would be $18.036 million which is a 20% increase over the tag he played on this season for $15.03 million. But he's going to cost a pretty penny. Had a slight injury again this year. That's been the biggest concern about him. A little bit of durability concerns. This one wasn't as major as, as in the past. But excellent guard. So you're going to have to pay him top of the market if you want to retain him. What do you think a deal for Ryan Kerrigan would look like? And I don't expect him back, but like for whoever's going to pick him up, what range do you think he's at right now? Well, it depends on what his role is going to be. If he's going to be a situational pass rusher, that's a whole different ballpark than if someone's going to have him be closer to a three-down player. He's an older guy, so you got to look at what older pass rushers have gotten. Um, we had Mario Addison last year signed for $10 million per year who had been more of a situational guy, then kind of stepped into maybe a semi-starting role with Carolina and go to Buffalo for that. Um, if he's just going to be a coming on third downs, you're talking five, seven, five to seven million uh, per year on the deal. Washington has a glut of defensive linemen who are going to be up for deals over the next 
four years. You got Jonathan Allen. They're going to work. They're working on an extension now, or at least I know that there were going to be talks about that. Then you got Tim Settle next year, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, et cetera. How do you think they're going to be able to maneuver that? And is there any way you could see all those guys basically staying here long-term because of what they might command? Well, the good thing is you've hit on, you've hit on your first-round picks with the defensive linemen. I think what Bobby Wagner once said when Seattle's window started to change, when all those guys on the draft pick contracts had up for second contracts, he said can't keep everyone. So I think the Redskins are going to have to be judicious in which defensive linemen they keep and which ones they don't. I think you may have to look to um, San Francisco as a bit of a model. They went out and signed D Ford, which has been a mistake. They had to make a choice between um, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, traded Buckner for a first-round pick to the Colts, have Nick Bosa, who's going to be very expensive when the time comes, and this year's indication of Chase Young, whatever Nick Bosa gets will be Chase Young's floor. And I anticipate Nick Bosa is going to be over $30 million per year when the time comes. Oh, my God. <laughs> These numbers always still sound so staggering. What about a guy like Jonathan Allen? Because, like I said, I mean, they, they do have that fifth-year option that you can play under. But I know that they're trying to – that there have been at least some, some talks about an extension. What do you think his market would be for an extension? Well, I'm going to wait and let Leonard Williams get a deal done if he doesn't get franchised because I anticipate he's going to be in the $20 million per year range based on how he played this year. Finally lived with this potential being the sixth overall pick. Um, I think minimum Jake Brady Jarrett might be like $17 million per year. Um, that's the going rate at a minimum for an interior um, defensive lineman who has some pass rush ability. Um, I'm not saying that Jonathan Allen's great and Jarrett, but that's going to be a two-year-old deal um, by the time Allen signs. So you got to factor that into the equation as well. Again, the, the numbers always just feel so staggering. What about the impact of the salary cap? Because we don't know what it's going to be. And for the first time, it's probably going to go down. How do you think that's going to play into this free, you know, as, as we get into free agency, how is that going to impact everything? Well, we saw that once the $175 million uh, salary floor was set, teams didn't hesitate in extending their core players. That's when Joey Bosa signed for $27 million per year. Uh, you had David Bakhtiari in the middle of the season reset the offensive lineman market, tackle market at $23 million per year. Garrett Bowles signed for $17 million per year. So those guys are going to get paid. The core players will get paid. If you have the cap at $175 million or even if it stays flat at 198.2 million, this will be more so if it's 175 million. The guys in the first wave of free agency, the highly sought after guys get paid. It'll become a simple supply demand equation. It'll be a buyer's market because teams are going to have to release a ton of players. The guys who don't get paid immediately are going to be scrambling to get money. And if you're a guy where your team asks you to take a pay cut, uh, the grass isn't going to be greener on the other side for most of these people. And you should work to stay put because you don't want to be out there if the cap is going to go down significantly. And I've had a couple agents already tell me they think there are going to be a lot of one-year deals this year. And there, that's kind of been a trend the last couple of years, it feels like. Do you think that we will see more of those type of deals this offseason? Oh, no doubt. You're not going to commit long-term if the money isn't there. You're going to come back and 
try to uh, have a great year in, in a contract year, a prove-it year, then presumably the cap will start going up again once the TV money from the new media rights deals hits the equation plus, plus the 17th regular season game. And then things will get back to normal. You'll try to get paid then. Sometimes the, your window of opportunity won't match up with that, but for the guys who can, that'll be the smartest move to make. Okay, now the fun stuff, the quarterback talk. And I know you've addressed some of these on your podcast over the last week or two because there's been a few things from the breeze. There's been too many quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Aaron Rodgers situation, whatever. So let's start with Matthew Stafford because it feels like he's probably – well, he's we know he's on the market. What do you think it's going to take to get him? About a minimum first-round pick. And the deal I look at trade as maybe the best indicator was Carson Palmer in 2011, was just a little bit younger than Stafford is now. Um, that midseason trade to the Raiders, the Bengals um, got a first-round pick and a second-round pick. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in Stafford. There have been reports that – Multiple teams have already contacted the Lions. So it's going to be at least the first-round pick. Uh, he may, may, sit, may make sense for the Washington football team because quarterback is a big question mark. You have the 19th pick, so maybe it's a first and a third, first and a fourth, something like that, um, to get it done. Indianapolis makes a lot of sense because Phillip Rivers is retired. That's a ready-made team as well. So Stafford's going to have a pretty healthy market. And with that second round pick for Palmer, was that a future two or was that the same draft? Uh, it was the following year because it was okay. conditional. It was a conditional second, which could have elevated to a first, but didn't. Okay. And so do you think I, you want, I guess everything always depends on who else is out there bidding against you. So that's where the compensation comes from. But I wonder if you could, if you could, if, the, if Washington gave a first round pick, which is the 19th pick and a future two, I wonder if that would be enough to get it done or would you have to give up maybe a, a decent player. Is that a possibility? Well, it could be a player, but the Lions are really in a rebuilding mode. Um, Dan Campbell is going to be biting kneecaps for six years, and the, <laughs> and the GM is under a five-year contract. So they probably want the pick more than the player. Um, I would think if you gave up a first this year and a second next year, that would probably get it done, depending upon who else is in hard pursuit of him. But given that the NFC East isn't the strongest division, if you get Matthew Stafford on the Washington football team, they're instantly going to be the team to beat. And and I and I would agree with that too. Now on the I think it was your last, or podcast me this or the previous one where you did talk a lot about this and you went over all the teams and there's really good in depth insight into why certain teams would make sense. In a nutshell. Who, are, who do you feel are the teams to watch and why? Well, uh, the Colts, also the Patriots, they're going to have a ton of cap room and they're going to need the quarterback. There's an interesting wrinkle with Stafford. Uh, Matt Patricia, his former head coach, went back to the Patriots. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard that a lot of veterans weren't all that enthusiastic about playing for, for Matt Patricia. So maybe Stafford tries to – put the kibosh on a trade in New England. They had a 15th pick, but um, those would be some teams. Teams I don't think which would be in the mix to need a quarterback. Pittsburgh, they just have too much to overcome um, salary cap-wise if Roethlisberger retires. In the Saints, I don't know how they're going to get out of their salary cap mess. Uh, 
the cap's under 75 million. They're projected to be about 112 million over. So good luck fixing that. So I don't see how they can make the play for anybody, considering anyone who acquires Stafford would need to have 20 million dollars of cap space to accommodate his 2021 salary. What other quarterbacks do you think are realistically tradable at the, I mean, cause we've heard, I mean, pretty much every, if you're a star quarterback, it seems like you're on the market, but which ones do you think are, what are the most realistic um, players to be traded? You think? Well, I think it's really Stafford. I'm not buying this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Um, Mark Murphy came out and said, we're not idiots. He's not going right. anywhere. So I, I, there's the angle that he wants a new contract. That's interesting. Cause he's got three years left on his deal. Um, I'm not trading Deshaun Watson. That's the one which is taking up all the oxygen. But if I'm Nick Casario, I'm doing everything in my power to try to dissuade that from happening. And if push comes to shove, I'm playing hardball. And we're going to have a um, standoff where we're going to see who blinks. Um, but if I had to trade Deshaun Watson as a no trade clause, I'm asking for something insane. I sent a direct message on Twitter to Joe Banner, who I have immense respect for, and I kind of posed that as four first-round picks in the lane ballpark, and he didn't he didn't disagree with that. But if I'm the Texans and you call me, I'm saying I want five first-round picks as a start. <laughs> and if you want him, you got a good young player, he's coming back to me. So if it's the 49ers, hey, we want um, Nick Bosa and maybe Fred Warner. If it's the Jets, then I'm asking for Quentin Williams as a part of the deal. If it's the Dolphins, I don't want Tua because if you got to be replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick and you lose a game in Week 17, which is essentially a playoff game, you can keep him. Xavier Howard, someone that would be on my wish list uh, to help lessen some of the draft pick compensation. But I'm not the, – the idea is to find a quarterback like Deshaun Watson in the draft. It's not to right. trade him for the hope that you can one day draft someone who might be almost as good as he is. So I'm not giving him up, but he's the one that most people talk about. Jimmy Garoppolo has a no-trade clause for 2021, which is interesting that just this year he has a no-trade clause. Jared Goff, I don't know how you move that one. Um, supposedly it's going to be an open competition if he comes, if he, uh, if he's still around, but with the comments that Sean McVay and Les Nieder are making, if they could get rid of him in a heartbeat, they would, but the contract is impossible, I think, to move. And he's uncuttable because he's got a cap number of like almost 35 million and the dead right. money because of the guarantees having no offsets would be 65 million. Yeah, and I'm with you on Watson. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I'm not going to trade him. I'm going to wait as long as I can to see if he blinks because you don't find guys like that because you're going to – the minute you trade him, now you're looking for the next Deshaun Watson. The guy's 25 years old. Don't, don't trade him. If you do trade him, you might as well trade J.J. Watt, who doesn't want to go through a rebuilding yeah. process. And I don't know what you get for him but because he's not the old J.J. Watt. He's supposed to make $17.5 million this year, but that's how much cap space you would pick up by parting ways with um, J.J. Watt, presumably through a trade. And you know, speaking of trades and going back to the Washington's defensive line, if they traded one of those defensive tackles, who would bring the most back and what would you think it might be? I would think Allen because he's got some more pass rush ability than, than Payne, who's 
basically your nose tackle run stuffer guy, more more so. Um, I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, DeForest Buckner type compensation, but maybe right. a second uh, form. But they're going to have to they're not going to be able to keep all of them. So at some point they got to right. think about trying to move on for someone because the thing is, if you let Allen walk in free agency, the most you're going to get is compensatory third round pick. So maybe right. that factors into the equation in terms of what they would ask for should they decide to to deal in someplace else. Yeah, and I don't think he'd. I don't think they would move him because, like I said, I, I'm I'm pretty. I was told there would be talks um, to to bring him back. So that's what I would think would be right now. But you never know. One of these guys down the road will not be here. Just don't know when or who. With some of the other quarterbacks, are there other quarterbacks you look at, like a Derek Carr or anybody like that, that you say this guy might be on that? You know, maybe this guy would be on the move for whatever reason. Well, the only quarterback John Gruden's ever really liked that he had was Rich Gannon. But Mike Mayock came out and said that uh, Derek Carr played very well this year. Um, he's right. actually pretty affordable because he he's making like $19, 20000000 million for the remainder of each year for the remainder of his contract. So since he had arguably a career year, I don't really think you try to move him. Um, I know uh, Gruden has some um, fascination with Marcus Mariota, but – there's a reason why Ryan Tannehill took his job. And and, and Car, you're right about Carr's deal. That's where it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what they would do. And Michael Rosting for ESPN, he put the put the Raiders as a dark horse, maybe even for Stafford, in which case then obviously Carr would be on the move. But and that would be a very much a John Gruden type move to get another quarterback in there. Oh yeah, because that guy is supposed to be a quarterback guru. He's never been satisfied with his quarterbacks for the most part. In Tampa Bay, there was a revolving door of quarterbacks. So the fact that cars lasted this long, I tend to think he may end up staying. What about Dak Prescott? Does that get done, you think? Oh, if I'm Dak Prescott, um, I play very hardball. Now, Todd France represents him. You need a willing client. I I got to imagine Prescott is not all that happy with the Cowboys because – they prioritized a lot of guys over him over the past couple of years, including rewarding Ezekiel Elliott for his negative behavior. And then he's playing on a franchise tag. So if I have a willing client, my whole thing is I'm making you put the franchise tag on me for basically $37.7 million, And then I'm giving you a take it or leave it offer. Um, whatever I decide that number would be, it would be the first digit in the average would be a four. And I don't want to give up three years because last year I only wanted to sign a four after the four long-term deal. We played one year of the franchise tag. So now it's just three years. So it'll be 120, 125, 130, whatever you size that number is. Take it or leave it. If you don't want to do it, I'll play out the year on the franchise tag. If you want to tag me again for a third and final time for basically 54.275 million, knock yourselves out. If not, I'm hitting the open market in 2022, and what do you think Dak Prescott can get on the open market if Kirk Cousins playing the franchise tag game, who isn't as good as Dak Prescott, briefly becomes the highest paid player in the league and gets a fully guaranteed contract? And that's what I was going to say. I'm pretty familiar with the quarterbacks playing that franchise tag game, and it did take a willing participant because not everybody's comfortable with that. I I wonder if there's any way that he becomes free this year if, if Jerry Jones just says, you know what? Let's just trade. We'll we'll trade for Matthew Stafford. He's under. He's cheaper for the next couple of years, and then Dak hits the market. Do you think there's a possibility of that? 
Well, all they get is a compensatory third-round pick in free agency. If Here's what you should watch for from a franchise tax standpoint. They put the exclusive one on them for this season. If they go non-exclusive where they get two first-round picks in return for an offer sheet, for an unmatched offer sheet, that would be something to watch. To me, that's a signal that they would be willing to move on from him. We've seen now in a trade standpoint that these – top non-quarterbacks are going for more than two first-round picks. Jeremy Tunsil, two first and basically a second. Jalen Ramsey, two first and a fourth. So getting a quarterback of Dak Prescott's caliber for just two first-round picks, that would be tremendous value from, from a compensation standpoint. But I don't anticipate Jerry Jones doing that. I expect the exclusive franchise tag. He's resigned to the fact that he doesn't have leverage because I've never heard an owner or a team executive admit that a player has all the leverage in negotiation. To me, you might as well just give Dak a blank, blank contract, have him fill it out. You're absolutely right. Um, last topic, then going back to Matthew Stafford, because I think this team is going to be in the hunt for him, among with all those other teams. The back issues he's had, what does do you think? When I talk to people, some people say, well, I'd only give a second and something else because of the back. Other people say, like, you only give a second and something else, he's going to be someplace else. That's that that's that's my thing, too. Yeah. So if you want him, what do you think? Because he's only he only has, I think, two more years left on his contract. Would you try to sign him to an extension right away or would you just bring him in here, see how it goes and then worry about it later? Uh, you got two years. He's making 20 this year, 23 and 2022. So I would wait and make sure he's what we think he is and then go from there. Uh, it's going to cost you a pretty penny because he's represented by Tom Kahn. And when he signed this last deal, he became the highest paid player in the league. So whatever the number is going to be, the extension is going to have probably be in the 40 million range because I don't see Matthew Stafford doing the Tom Brady hometown discount thing without no. Tom Kahn in his agent. Would you be wary of that, given some of the, the back issues? Would you be wary of that? Well, I'd have to have my team doctor look at it and see exactly what's going on. But he had the shoulder injuries early on in his career, and now the back issue. If it's not concussion-related, for the most part, you're okay. He hasn't really had that type of major issue. But yeah, it'd be somewhat of a cause for concern. I, I'm sorry. I apologize because I meant this is the this is now the very last thing. Washington's new front office, Mark Mayhew, GM, Marty Herney, now executive, executive VP of player personnel. What's your experience with those guys and just being around the league and, and just, I don't know, what your, if you have a relationship with either one of those guys or what, what, what's your take on the additions here? Well, Mayhew also is a, something which cuts in favor of a pursuit of Matthew Stafford since he used to be a Lions GM. I never right. dealt with him personally. I did deal with um, – Marty Herney, um, more so when he was the Chargers um, contract negotiator. Uh, fair guy, um, was tough but fair, dealt with him in Carolina a little bit, but he dealt more with Rob Rogers, who's the salary cap guy that came over with um, right. Ron Rivera. I like dealing with Rob, also a tough negotiator, but someone who could be persuaded by data, which is what I like. Okay, very good. So, Joel, appreciate it. For anybody listening, again, Inside the Cap with Joel Corey, that's where you got to go to get all this insight because throughout this offseason, it's very pivotal to stay informed, and Joel is the guy that many of us go to to be informed. You can go to him as well for his podcast. Joel, thank you very much for coming on. Sure, thanks for having me. 
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Joe Corey for joining me and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another special guest for Monday. You will enjoy it. Talk to you next time.